0: ought to just give him a praise from your heart right now. Has he seen you through? Has he made a way out of no way? Come on, let praise come from your heart to him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feels good in the house of the Lord today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. I just want to read just a few words and we're going to use this to get into what I feel that God wants to speak to us today. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. His strength His strength is made perfect in our weakness for when I am weak then am I made strong Lord help me this morning to preach what you have put into my spirit what you have spoken today what you are wanting to say I pray this morning God that your strength and your power would accomplish the purpose for which you are sending your word that hearts in this room this morning would be pliable to what you want to do. This is not about my agenda. This is not about my sermon. This is not about my ability. This is about your greatness. This is about your power. And this is about your strength. Do what you can through this sermon today into the hearts of your people. and Accomplish it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. I've been thinking a little on this idea, his strength. and So I went and used some of my reference tools and went to a Strong's Greek concordance. to see if I was correctly interpreting the Scripture and seeing clearly what the Scripture is speaking into our hearing. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So I looked up the word strength To see what really it meant this week has been a a week in my home where my wife has needed strength. Chemo has taken its toll. And she's been weak. And so I've been thinking a lot and I've been praying a lot this week about, God, we need your strength. And so perhaps this is why my mind began to rest upon this scripture in 2 Corinthians about his strength being made perfect in our weakness. At the point of our weakness, that's when his strength is made perfect. So I looked up this word, and the word strength comes from the Greek word that many of you who have been around the church for a very long time and have heard a lot of messages preached will recognize the Greek word strength where the word is translated from, here it is used strength. In other places, it is, it is translated in other words. But here, it is strength translated from the word dunamis. And of course, that triggered with some of you that have been around the teachings of the church for a long time because you recognize that word from Acts 1 and 8 it's the same word translated into a different form in the english language because language in translation sometimes get it and sometimes miss it so the same word is used in acts 1 and 8 where the scripture said ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses in Acts 1 and 8, the word power is translated from the same word dunamis. As Paul uses in 2 Corinthians, when he says his dunamis, his strength, is made perfect in our weakness. Because it would not have read very well if it would have just said his powers made perfect perfect in our weakness. So the word strength better fits there. And so as I look to read the literal and figurative definition of this word to see more clearly what the scripture is speaking to us, here I discover that this word in its use here is in Greek in the feminine uh, connotation and it speaks of miraculous power from a miraculous source. Now now stay with me here just for a minute because I think we'll go somewhere in a few moments that, that it will help somebody. So he is saying that God's miraculous power from his miraculous source is made perfect in our weakness. So His miraculous power is made perfect. So I looked up the word perfect and wanted to make sure I was getting this real clear and it used the word complete or completeness. So His miraculous power is completed in our weakness. His miraculous power is completed in our weakness. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't limit your miracle. We're all limited and we all limit. Most of us don't like to admit our weaknesses. That's a struggle for many of us. Our inadequacies often lead to a lot of frustrations. It's the areas of inadequacies that we become the most frustrated over. We learn to compensate for our weaknesses instead of owning our weaknesses and allowing God's strength to shine through in the midst of our weakness. So we compensate in areas of weakness. We cover it with words. We cover our weakness with actions. We cover our weakness with attitudes. It's the smoke and mirror. We, we try to make our weaknesses, we try to hide them. The other day somebody said, why in the world are you wearing a suit jacket in the middle of summertime? I said, I'm hoping it's covering my handles. Trying to compensate for the lack of trips to the gym. We all do it. We learn to compensate in our areas of weakness. And we all have weaknesses. All of us. We have areas of weakness. And instead of allowing God's strength, God's miraculous power, to become completed in our areas of weakness. We cover them and mask them and say weakness. I don't have no weakness. Weakness, that's for weak people. That's for somebody else. That's not for me. And the issue is, it's kind of how we're raised. In Western culture, we're taught that some things are impossible for us and when we're told that certain things are impossible for us, it charts our course for the future and so as children, we're, we're told there's, there's nothing impossible. You can do it. You can make it. And it becomes a, a self-empowerment that says we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And we can, but we can't on our own. The issue is is we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But without Him, I can do nothing. Because I am what I am only by the grace of God. Am I in the book this morning? So what culture has done is fixed us with a mindset. It's like the circus elephant that is chained and tied when they're very, very young and very, very small. They tie them to something that is sturdy and not going to move and they pull against it, and they work against it, and they war against it, and they try to get loose, but eventually they learn their limits. They learn that it's futile. There's no reason to pull. There's no reason to war against the object. So the moment that the shackle goes around the legs, they immediately know that they are tied down and unable to move, and so they learn that it is impossible for them to get loose So they stop trying. They give up. When they're adults, they can be chained to a tent stake and they'll stand without controversy. They don't even try to get loose because they were taught when they were very young that it was impossible, that they couldn't and now that they're adults, a tent stake will hold them because it's in their mind that it is simply impossible. There are a lot of people like that today. I tried it once, and it didn't work out, so there's no use trying anymore. I attempted faith one time. It didn't work out well for me. I turned my back on God, and now I'll never try it again. There's a lot of people like that. I tried to break the yoke that was holding me captive. It didn't work out. I failed. I went back on my promises. So I I, I just don't believe it'll ever help. I tried a program. It didn't work. It failed, and I I, I can't. There are a lot of people that tried. They tried to break an addiction, failed, and feel like there's no reason to keep trying. They tried to overcome a hurt from their past and feel like I can't seem to get beyond it. I can't seem to get over it, so there's no reason to keep trying. I tried to forgive that thing that happened to me, but it just seems to keep haunting me. I tried to move on in life. I tried to go on, but I, somehow I keep going back to this same spot. I came to remind you today that those are areas of weakness in our lives. And I also want you to understand that the Bible says that with man, there are impossibilities. It says it's something like this. And with man, it may be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. The Apostle Peter in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things, but not in the flesh. Not on my own, because I have weaknesses. I have areas that I must admit and must recognize. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. God is strong. In our weak places. Do you know that God will not do for you what you can do for yourself? The scripture says the things that are impossible with man are possible with the Lord. Now, the idea here the things that are impossible with man are possible with the Lord. I often tell people do everything you can, and when you no longer can, trust God because God will do it from there. But there are some things you can do for yourself. I can trust God to make a payment on that new truck that I would like to buy. I can trust Him till the sun sets and comes up and goes down through the rest of my life. Or I can get up and work and make the money to make the payment. The repo man's going to come and I'm going to say, hey, 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 you can't pick up that truck. I'm trusting God for that truck. And He's going to look at me and laugh and drive away with the truck because there's some things that are possible with man but then there's some things that are impossible with man we do whatever we can pardon me for using my wife as an example this morning and I hope that it doesn't frustrate you at me this morning for using you as an example but this has been a pretty tough week she's week three into a eight or nine week regiment three week regiments of chemo. She's got chemo from now until about October. And the doctor said to her, each segment that she's going through, she could probably expect that she's going to become a little weaker each time until she gets to the end. And he demonstrated by laying out in a chair, the doctor did, laid out in the chair and said, this is how you're going to become October. We get in the car and start home. She's frustrated. She's she's aggravated. She, she says, All the tumors are gone. This is just follow-up. I'm putting myself through all of this. Sometimes she said, I'm not going to, but sometimes I just feel like just stopping and saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to trust God. Good. That's wonderful. Now I'll stand with you if that's what you want to do. But I believe that we need to do everything we can And I told her, you do everything you physically can. And if you get to a point where you can't, and where the doctor can't help you, and where the medication can't help you, or you can't handle it, then we're going to trust God. But just because it's a struggle today doesn't mean we're going to quit. I hope I'm helping somebody this morning. There are some things you can do for yourself. I had someone talk to me about dealing with an alcohol addiction that they were dealing with. And they said, I can tell you this, when I get up from this meal with you and I go home, when I get there, I'm probably going to go to the refrigerator and pull out a can of beer and open it and drink it because the temptation is just too great. I said, go home and get all the alcohol out of your refrigerator so the temptation is not there. He said, do you know how much money I have tied up in that? I said, it's going to hurt. It's going to cost you. But are you more worried about the money or are you more worried about the addiction that you're wanting to overcome? I asked someone one time that was dealing with an addiction, I said, why in the world what, 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 what is it that brings it on? He said, every day when I'm driving, I drive by this certain store, and I've made it a habit to stop there, and it's just what I do. And he said, sometimes without thinking, I just pull into that store, and I go in, and that's where I buy my alcohol, and I, I then go home, and I, just, and I said, well, drive another way home. He said, another way home is going to cost me an extra 15 minutes to get home if I go another way home. What are you worried about? 15 minutes or break the addiction? There are moments you have to take the temptations out of your life. There are some people you need to cut out of your life. There's some relationships you need to let go because you want to break an addiction, because you want to walk in freedom. There's some things you can do for yourself, but it will cost you. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. I'm I'm really weak there. That's where God becomes strong. This is my point of weakness. Awesome. Show me your weakness, and I'll show you God's strength. You can't do it on your own because of your weaknesses. But God is strong in our weak places, and He knows no impossibilities. Somebody shout, don't limit my miracle. Psalm 78, how often did they provoke Him in the wilderness and grieve Him in the desert? Yeah, they turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. This is talking about the children of Israel who limited God. They provoked Him and they grieved Him by turning their back on Him and by tempting Him. But I find it ironic that limiting God is associated with turning back and tempting God. Our faith, our trust, and our obedience is very important to God. The issue at hand is that God wanted to bless Israel, His people. And He wanted to give them a miracle. But they limited Him by their unbelief. It was their unbelief that limited God. Do you know what limits God in your life? Do you know what limits the miraculous working in your life? It is your faith and your willingness to trust Him. They limited God by their unbelief. One moment, God was giving them victory over their enemy so they would remember Him and teach their children. This is what the Bible said, that God is going to give them, God gave them victory over their opponent, over their adversary, over the enemy. He gave them victory in war over them so they would tell stories to their children of how a little ragtag Israeli army would defeat a mighty powerful army because he wanted them to tell their children and teach their children so the children would remember His ways. And right after God gives them the victory, the next minute, they have forgotten about what God has done for them. They forgot, the Bible said, they forgot about His mighty works. By this, the Bible says, They were limiting God. And by limiting God, they provoked God and they tempted God. Don't limit your miracle. We don't understand the lack of faith in our children. In this reference that I'm giving you in Psalm 78, the children of Israel's lack of faith was connected to their elders' lack of teaching them about the miraculous power of God. I didn't think you were going to clap on that. So I'm going to spend a little time here. We give the children of Israel a very hard time because they lacked faith. But what about the elders of Israel who failed to tell the children of Israel about God's mighty works? The children of Israel had to figure it out on their own because the elders of Israel failed to remember how God brought them out of the bondage of Egypt across a Red Sea with an army following them. The stories of God's ability to deliver disappeared. They quit talking about it. They quit even mentioning it. You don't believe this story? Psalm 78. For he established his testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which commanded our fathers that they should make them known to the children that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them unto their children. How are the children that haven't been born going to know except it's through the telling of the stories. That they might set their hope in God. Your stories about what God has done, your stories about miracles before I was ever born. I can sit this morning and start talking to you and telling you stories about my dad during the 1960s, had lost a job before I was ever born, had lost a job, had little children. I was the baby of five. He had little children, didn't know what he was going to do, did not have a job. My mom was sick. They went to church, came home from church. The door was locked when they left. The door was locked when they arrived back home. They unlocked the door and walked in. And sitting on the table, table was an entire, It was the table was just full of groceries. They had no idea. Nobody else had a key. They don't know how anybody got in. They don't know how the provision. I know what some of you faithless folks are saying. Well, it was probably their family members. It was probably the landlord. Maybe it was an angel from heaven heaven that came and provided for them just like he provided for John when he was on an island and didn't have any food. Maybe we could give credit to God and say it was God that made a way when there was no way. We can give credit to the doctors and say hey they did a good job or we can say it was God that has touched and delivered and healed and set free. Don't live your miracle Amen. by giving credit to somebody instead of giving credit to God. You need to tell your children. When I was broke and couldn't get by, God made a way out of no way. When I was sick and couldn't get well, it was God that made a way. He was too young to remember it my Boy sitting on the front row when he was born. I walked down the, I, I, some of you have heard this. Some of, some newer folks here have never heard this story. They were born twins, Spencer and Dylan, born twins. When they were born several weeks premature, Dylan was barely alive. They took had to give him an immediate blood transfusion. There was 19 days neonatal intensive care. Right after he was born, the doctor, Dr. Kapelman, walked me down the aisle down down the hall, and we were walking down the hospital hall. I still remember it. It still it's as if it's burned in my head. He was walking just about a half a step behind me on my right side, and he was walking along. He he kind of mumbles a little bit when he talks. He wasn't overly clear. And we were walking, and he said, "Well, Dad, this is what I've got to tell you. Right now, I give you no chance." He said, "If the boys survive." particularly Dylan, if he survives the next 24 hours, I will give him a 50-50 chance to survive. It's going to be an uphill battle. But right now, I'm telling you there's no chance. He was in a great hospital. The nurses did everything they could. We didn't know if he was going to make it. But he sits on this front row this morning. I don't ever want him to forget the story of when God spared his life. When the eye doctor said he was going to be blind, but on Delphi Avenue on a Sunday night, my wife brought that baby boy and laid him about this area on the altar and tears dripping over him and said, God, you're going to heal him. We took him back to the doctor and the doctor said his vision is going to be fine. He's not going to be blind. It wasn't an eye doctor. It was God that made a way. Don't ever let the stories of what God, don't live in. God, but giving credit in the wrong places. Thank you. I got about fifty percent of you with you with me this morning. I'm gonna preach until I get everybody today. Verse eleven: They forgot. That's what it said. They forgot. They forgot His works. And his wonders, Psalm 78, you can read it. They forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things that he had done in the sight of their fathers. And in the land of Egypt. And in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea. Caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up as a heap. In the daytime he led them with a cloud. And at night he led them with the light of a fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness, gave them drink out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock, caused the waters to run down like the rivers. Verse 17, and they sinned yet more against him, but provoking the most high in the wilderness. How did they provoke them? And verse 18, and they tempted God in their heart. You know how they tempted God in their heart? Because when he talked about the delivering power of God when they when they wanted to say it was God that delivered this young man it was God that healed this young man it's God that's healing this young lady it's God that made a way for your son when they said that you need to go ahead and have an abortion because he has trisomy 18 but this morning he's standing in the front totally healthy worshiping God we could have listened to the doctors or we could have trusted God but you chose to trust God and you came on this platform and you sang and you led worship while you didn't know about the child in your belly but you trusted God and today God has made a way don't ever stop telling the story don't ever stop don't start tempting God don't start provoking God so God God led them out of bondage, took them across the Red Sea. Water stood up as a heap. He let waters run out of a rock. He led them by fire in, the, day, in, in the, the night. And he led them by cloud in the day. And they still tempted God in their heart. Yea, they spoke against God. And they said, verse 19, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? After doing all of these things. They said, can God? Can God When Moses smoked the rocks, the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. So they questioned him and said, can he give bread also? And can he provide flesh to his people? They had become so accustomed to the miracle power of God that they questioned the miracle power of God. Though he commanded the clouds from above, verse 23, and opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna upon them to eat and given them corn from heaven. Man did eat angels' food, verse 27, he rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea and he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. You know what this is talking about. It's It's the quail that came down. They flipped open the tent flaps and there were so many quail they just walked out there and picked them up. The manna just rained down. They walked out of the morning and said, well, pick up, the, pick up lunch. God had done all of this for them. He had provided all of this. And so they did eat well and were filled and, because God gave them their own desires, verse 29, verse 32. For all this, they, they still sinned. And they believed not for his wondrous works, they gave another explanation to how water gushed from a rock, how cloud and fire leads them, how how a rock follows them, how manna and quail are provided. They they still they doubted. They 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 didn't believe. Verse thirty-seven. Why didn't they believe? For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant, in other words, they just didn't serve God after all the things that he did they just didn't serve him verse forty how often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert yea they turned back and tempted God and limited the holy one of Israel how do you limit God but How do you limit the miraculous? How do you limit God from doing awesome things in your life? This is how. You doubt everything that he's ever done. You question everything he's ever done. When you start questioning His power, questioning His provision, do you understand it was God that woke you up this morning? Do you know that you're one breath away from death? It was God that Do you know it was God that kept his hand upon you when you passed within three feet of death after passing every vehicle on your way here? Do you know it was God that caused your heart to beat last night while you slept? Do you know it was God that caused all the sensory glands to work so that you didn't choke in your sleep? So that you breathed through the night? So that you woke up this... Do you know it's God that woke you up? Do you know it's God that brought you here? Do you know it's God that made a way for you? Do you know it isn't your intellect, but it's God? Do you know it's God? Somebody shout, don't limit your miracle. Come on, shout it again. Don't limit your miracle. When I become disobedient and I stop serving God the way I should, I am limiting God. I want to take the lid off of this place this morning and let God rain down in this house because there's some people that walked in the doors of this building today and you walked in with some unbelief, but God is wanting to restore you. He's wanting to refresh you. He's wanting to give you fresh faith today. I want to preach on this morning, but God's about to work in this house. Somebody needs to understand that your financial dilemma, that you're trying to figure out how that God's going to do it, how God's going to make a way. I'm going to tell you how. He put money in a fish's mouth to pay a man's taxes. He, he fed 5,000 with, with five loaves and two fish with an army of 300. He conquered a nation, and you think that God can't make a way for you. Hey, don't let the miraculous in your life. Somebody shout God can. Come on, shout it again. Say God can. Somebody needs to take the limits off of God this morning. You may have walked in here weak. That's when His miraculous strength becomes perfect. That's when His miraculous strength becomes evident. You walked in this morning under a load. You walked in this morning stressed out. You walked in this morning carrying a burden. You walked in this morning not feeling well. You walked in this morning with broken relationships. You walked in this morning with empty wallets. You walked in this morning wondering how you're going to make a way. I'm going to tell you how you're going to make a way when you start thanking God for everything he's done in your life. When I look back over my life, and i think about how he kept me, how he saved me, how he brought me out, how he broke the yoke of addiction, how he saved my kids, how he kept my marriage together, how he saved my mind, how he turned things around, how he made a way out of no way. I came this morning to thank you because you were awesome, because you are good. There's no way this morning that I'm going to give credit to somebody else. It was God who was on my side. When the enemy rose up against me, I would have stumbled and I would have failed, but God made a way out of no way. Oh, somebody give him a shout of praise this morning. Come on, has God ever done anything for you this morning? You ought to thank him. You ought to praise him. You ought to get out in the aisle and just give him praise this morning. You ought to say thank you, Jesus. You ought to open your mouth. You ought to let him know. I'll make known the wondrous things of the Lord. I'll tell my children and my grandchildren about how you made a way, how you brought me up, Come on, you need a miracle today. You need to just start thanking him. You need to start magnifying him. Come on, David said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody magnify him. Somebody make him a little greater. Come on, can you give him some sustained praise today? Come on, you're, you face no impossibilities. Let God know I'm weak, God. I'm weak in this area. I'm weak in that place. I'm weak over here, God. My family's broke. My bank account's empty. My health is weary. But God, I need you to show up and be strong. Show your power. Show your might. Show your strength in the middle of my weak place. Oh, come on, let's praise him this morning. Come on, don't let your praise limit God today. He inhabits the praises. He inhabits the praises of his people. Don't let your praise limit God today. For in your weakness, his miracle working power becomes evident. Oh, don't limit your miracle this morning. Come on, praise him praise praising. praise him. Micah said, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of our people? If you're in the house today and you feel like I ought not, I have condemnation. You need to declare, he has forgiven me. His blood has covered me. He has washed me. I may not be worthy, but he's worthy. I will show forth Come on, that's it. If he's forgiven you, you need to thank him. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Come on. and then I'm going to get out of the way and we're going to just praise God this morning. If you're in the room and you don't know him and the power of the Holy Ghost, I dare you to walk down to the front of this room this morning and just ask him, Lord, I want what I'm feeling today. I want to be filled with this power that the preacher has talked about. I want your strength in my life. I'm telling you, he will. He'll come on the scene this morning. And if you're here this morning, and you've been weak and weary. I want you to exercise your faith by your worship. I want you to let praise come from inside. Offer to him a sacrifice. David wraps up the songbook in Psalm 150. He says, praise ye the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. But then verse 2 goes right in line with what I've talked about this morning he said praise him for or because of praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness you know what that tells me your praise is your appraisal of him A few days ago, an appraiser walked through this building. He's looking over, trying to decide what the value of this building is. He walks through making marks and making notes complimenting things. Boy, that's nice woodwork. That's nice trim. Like how you did this? Making notes, paying attention. He's creating an appraisal. You know what your praise does in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your dilemma, when you start saying, God, hi, you're good. You're awesome. You're beautiful. You're my help. You're my strength. Come on, start making notes. Your praise is your appraisal. As you begin to verbalize his greatness, your weakness Begins to disappear because he becomes strong in the place of your weakness when you begin to exalt him and praise him. Praise him. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a psaltery and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him on the high cymbals. And let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Come on. Let's praise him this morning.